If you like merch as much as I do, I strongly recommend you the website epicmerchstore.com. They have t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, hats, long sleeves, and kids' merch for more than 200 punk rock, ska, hardcore, and metal bands from all around the planet. So if you like bands like Good Riddance, The Dreadnoughts, Friends of Rome, After the Fall, Diesel Boy, Crank, Straight Line, Polly, Randy, and many more. Oh, they also have a Tony Slide tribute merch. They support smaller and bigger bands from all around the world. Plus, they ship worldwide and you can have a flat rate shipping cost. Get your merch at epicmerchstore.com. Hello, beautiful punk rock people. Welcome to the Punk Rocket Show. Today it's episode 101. 101. Thank you for pressing play today and spend a little moment with me. My name is Emily. I'm your host. I live in Quebec City, Canada, and I'm so passionate about punk rock music. It's it's just insane. I'm crazy about it. And we're gonna have a great episode today because my guest this week is Brian McTernan. He's the singer of one of my new favorite bands, Be Well. He used to play in many other projects, including the band Battery. Brian is also producer at the legendary Salad Day Studio, and he's also such an awesome human. I hope you're ready, punk rockers, because the show is starting now. Hi, my friends. How are you? I'm good, but to be honest, I've been in a better shape. <laughs> so this weekend, I had a big putin, a huge putin. If you don't know what a putin is, is our favorite meal in Quebec. <laughs> it's like fries with gravy and cheese curds, and you can add anything you want on it. And I had a very huge putin with chicken on it and some spicy sauce. And I had such a bad indigestion. Oof. And I had some complications. So I had to go to the ER, the emergency room at the hospital. And turns turns out it was probably, most likely, food poisoning. Ah! So it wasn't a fun time. And also it got me very late to do all my punk rock projects for the weekend. <laughs> and also I decided because, okay, I've had a very fragile stomach stomach for my whole life. I am battling with bad acid reflux problems since a few years. I have to take a daily medication for that. So yeah, I'm kind of fragile. And so, but I'm, I'm feeling much better today. I, I can have food and it's fine. Um, but I decided since I couldn't eat for like almost 36 hours, I decided to try to get rid of caffeine for a while. And it might be a good idea for my stomach, but it's an awful idea for my life in general, for my happiness and for my brain focus. <laughs> I'm actually living hell right now. I have very bad caffeine withdrawal symptoms. I'm very tired. I have such a bad headache. I'm slightly dizzy. I have no motivation. Whew. But I kicked my own butt. And I'm recording this episode and it makes me feel better, actually. And tonight I'll do my weekly live recording playlist with the listeners live on Instagram and Facebook. And 
I think it's a very good coffee replacement. Gives me a lot of energy all the time. So I'll survive this. Just not the best day of my life. So I had a pretty boring weekend, but I took some time to scroll my Instagram and I saw a lot of amazing footage on social medias regarding the first The first, last NoFX show in Austin, Texas. So great. I feel like the whole punk rock scene was there. It's so much fun to see so many happy people. It was probably super emotional. And I'm sure all that final tour will be full of fun, great memories, and lots of emotions. Speaking of emotions, you have to check the new High Standards song. It's called I'm a Rat. And it's the last song recorded with Akira, their drummer who sadly passed away last February. And the song is really, really good. It made me feel like very sad listening to it. But at the same time, I'm like, that's kind of beautiful. He still played on another song. Also, I'm very curious to hear what you think about the new Rancid song, Tomorrow Never Comes, and a video, of course. And I'm very happy because they will release their new album called Tomorrow Never Comes on June 2nd. And oh, we're gonna have like 16 new songs. I'm very, very happy. And I personally love the new single, the new song. So I'm curious to hear about your opinion. So if you want to reach me on social media, Go ahead, Punk Rocket, on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. But I hate TikTok. I have two suggestions for you if you like acoustic punk. Um, I really love the new Dave House song. It's called Tarnish. What a great voice he has, right? And I can't wait to hear his new album, Drive It Like It's Stolen going to be out next week and the second acoustic artist i wanted to talk to you about is black guy fox i interviewed him a year ago or so and he's just released his new ep called intrusive lullabies wow it's really really good interview And now it's time to listen to the conversation I had with Brian of the band Be Well, the band Battery, etc. He's also producer at Salad Days. He's also an engineer, mixer. We talked about his very unique voice and singing. By the way, I'm completely addicted to his voice. It's just incredible. We also talked about the fact that he started to play music and produce very young. We talked about his work as a producer. And oh, during the interview, I found out that he produced one of my favorite albums of all time. And I didn't even know. <laughs> We talked about his lyrics, touring with Newfound Glory and Hot Water Music, etc., etc. So many great topics we covered in this interview. And during the chat, you're going to hear my two favorite Be Well songs, which are I'll Leave You With This and Meaningless Measures. Enjoy! This episode of the Punk Rocket Show is brought to you by the label Iodine Recordings. Their catalog includes great punk, pop punk, and hardcore bands like Smoke or Fire, The Iron Roses, Hey Tanks, Stretch Armstrong, The Darning Fire, and many, many more. It's not complicated. All the great humans with good values. Oh, and if you're a vinyl lover like I am, check their selection of gorgeous colored LPs. Thank you so much, Iodine, for supporting this podcast. 
Check the show notes or visit iodinerecords.com and enjoy this episode. Recording in progress. Just a second. Hi. How are you? I'm good and you? Oh my gosh, I'm better. I'm better than yeah. I was. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. So you're, I'm happy to see that you're feeling better. Yeah, I'm, <clears throat> I'm still not 100%, but I'm much better than I was. Yeah, but I mean, touring, like <laughs> sometimes it, uh, you get like viruses and stuff huh? i i think also because the shore the tour is so short it was just like i never really like acclimated to being over there by the time we were getting settled we were coming home oh yeah so it was it was a whirlwind yeah so, exactly but, it, but <laughs> well, it was i think you had a show recently like um we five, did we're not that was really hard like the, the morning of the show i woke up and was like oh my god i'm not gonna be able to do this but then I drank a lot of water and I hummed and like quietly sang all day and by the time the show happened I was able yeah. to get through it okay but so it was, was like, like a, a cold or a flu or yeah yeah I mean I li- I, th- I mean I I've had COVID three times <laughs> and I, I took three co- four COVID tests entirely because I just kept thinking this has gone on too long to not be that yeah. but it wasn't it um, wasn't that. I think it was just maybe like allergies and yeah, post tour depression. <laughs> oh yeah, that that's a real thing. <laughs> it I, is. Yeah, I had COVID twice. It was awful, but I also had influenza, and it was like almost worst. Yeah, I mean the flu is like worse than. Oh. I could, the funny thing for me with COVID is the first time I had it was pretty bad. Yeah, I mean the too. second time was like. Not so bad. The third time, I didn't even... I My mom was sick, so every time I would go visit her, I would take a COVID test, and I tested positive, and I felt so fine that I thought it had to be something wrong with the... <laughs> a false positive test. The test. So I went, and my wife went and got me um, a different brand, and that was still positive. I'm like, oh, what? yeah, okay. So I hope if I have it for a third t- uh, a third time it would be like very much <laughs> yeah, better hopefully, well, uh, hopefully you don't have it for yeah, a third time ever yeah, but yeah. I mean I go to a lot of shows and I see people and you know I don't travel much though but the, f- the funny thing is that over the last year and a half I've, I've toured a lot mm-hmm. and I never got it on tour Oh, really? every time was like I'm home I'm not doing anything really maybe I would go to the grocery store or whatever but boom. going to the so, library <laughs> right I know it's crazy uh, but um where are you right now on this crazy planet I'm in Baltimore at oh. my studio right now oh yeah my that's studio. right good yes. um, the salad days yes I'm I'm actually I'm in just finishing building what I hope will be the last iteration of salad days oh what do you mean because i um over the years i've had it in a million different places and and now that um i ended up buying a house that was like two blocks from my house and it was a weird house that was set up the guy had like a doctor's office on the first floor and a house on the second Mm. his family lived on the second floor so it was perfect for me because i i gutted it and built the studio where the doctor's office was, and then bands can live. Oh, that's great. Upstairs, which for me is the most, 
probably the most important thing because I, I don't do a lot of local, you know, almost anybody that I'm working yeah. with is they're traveling coming, to work. They're, yeah, they're me. traveling. Oh, so wow. I, it's my first studio ever that I don't have like a big crazy drum room, you know, but it, it's the trade off for me was like, it's, I can go somewhere else to track mm -hmm. the drums if I need to. But for mixing vocals, guitar, like all that stuff, it's great here and people are really comfortable. Oh, so, so by iteration, because I wasn't sure about that because... I oh, yes, like the last, hopefully this is the final resting place. That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah and it's... My English is not perfect, so like iteration... Oh, it's really, your sure. English is great, yes. But yeah. it, um, it, uh, I mean, it's crazy because I've had the studio now for... 29 years yeah you started so it's been at a young you started at what uh, 18 <laughs> or something 18 yeah 18 yes wow. and um i just got very lucky and like the first year i had the studio i like i the first couple months i mean i felt like i couldn't pay someone to record with me <laughs> and then yeah. by the end of that by the end of that year i had recorded i mean I don't know, Texas is the reason, Converge, Bain, wow. uh, Highbald, Caven, 108. <laughs> I mean, so many amazing bands that Promise Ring. I mean, so much. That, and that, I was so young and I really didn't know what I was doing. But that, that was I, my question because, like, how can you know sound that much at 18? I mean, I didn't really. I mean, I knew I, my um, before I was doing my I was doing battery. I was singing in battery, but I was mm -hmm. also playing guitar in a band called Ashes. Mm -hmm. And the drummer from Ashes had a little studio in his basement. And we just like oh. I spent like every waking minute there. He had a four track and then an eight track. And then um, I dropped out of high school to tour with battery. Mm -hmm. And when I got home, I was like, oh shit, I got to do something <laughs> in my life. So I, 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 I bought some more equipment and just started recording bands and was definitely like fake it until you make it. Kinda. <laughs> But bands was, uh, were trusting you. They were trusting you to do it. Even if you were young I, and I, just started, I, like, I think the only thing I had going for me at the time was I was very inexpensive <laughs> and <laughs> Too. Oh yeah, and those bands those bands were still at, poor at the time. <laughs> that's right. And at the time it was like um now there's a lot of people in our world that are producers. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of there wasn't it wasn't like that back then. So there weren't like if you were like a hardcore punk emo band, mm -hmm. if you went to like just some studio in Boston, you'd have to bring records and show them what you wanted it to be and You know, and, and you, often you have this guy that thinks you're stupid and doesn't understand it, where I didn't really, I knew enough and I also knew what it was supposed to sound like. Mm -hmm. So I was able to communicate with people on a way that, and also, I mean, like some of the, like Caven, the first time they came and recorded with me, they were 15, you oh, know? Shit. So, so yeah. I think also there was like a, a comfort for some of the bands where I wasn't like some you know, old guy like I am now. <laughs> But um, It was kind of a party. <laughs> it was like, yeah, I think people felt like, you know, initially I was mostly recording bands, demos and stuff like the 
the Texas is the reason seven inch was really the breakthrough thing because Mm -hmm. they came to record and that was just meant to be a demo. Mm -hmm. And we never even properly mixed it. And then one day I got a call from Jordan from revelation and he was like, Hey, I need the masters for the Texas is the reason. And I I didn't even know they had a name yet (laughs) because they didn't have a name when they came to record. They only had three songs. And, um, and I was like, Norm's band? And he was like, yeah. And that was it. And then that that came out on Revelation. And that was that was a big deal. And then the funny thing about it was for years and years, people would come to record with me. And they wouldn't realize that I was so young. You know what wow. I mean? Like, I, I was like 18, 19, 20. And then I'd have these bands that would come in. And in their late 20s and be like, who is this little kid? <laughs> But it was a good time. When they arrived, they realized. Yes. (laughs) And but the funny thing is what happened is over time, it it. Well, I mean, it even it continued for a long time. Like I remember when Thrice came to record the first time. Yeah, I had never I had never met them. And it was like pre now I would like have a Zoom with the band, you know, beforehand. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. We didn't we didn't do any of that. So they flew in really, really late. And um, I just remember getting to the, at that time I had, um, I had, my wife and I were living upstairs and then the basement was a band apartment. And then I had built a studio behind the house Mm -hmm. and where the studio was. So the guys had gotten there late at night when we were already asleep. So I came down and woke them up the next morning and their bass player, Eddie was like, Oh my God, you're like a kid. I thought you were going to be like 50 and wearing a leather jacket. (laughs) (laughs) Like, nope. It was, it was, uh, but that was like great. I mean, the coolest thing about getting started so early was that um, the bands were all my age. So they became really good friends. Mm -hmm. Like, especially there was like a six year period when I had the studio where my wife and I were living there too. And I love that she got to know the band so well. And, you know, they're like, it's now if I have a bunch of like 19, 20 year olds, our relationship is different than (laughs) it was when we were all 19 and 20. Definitely. And it was great, too. And like, I loved it. Like the bands, bands coming through on tour would always stay. And it was just a really exciting time. Community spirit. Like, yeah, for sure. It. Enhance the the band experience if you could stay there and and I think it, and you 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 it, had at the time uh, experience like you were already touring recording uh, you were probably yeah. into hardcore since already a few years so yeah I mean the, by that time by the time I was starting by the time I had built that studio I was I had been recording for like six or seven years and was had done a lot a lot of records at that point and. So like and, you started um, at 12, 13. I played battery played our first show when I was in eighth grade. So I had just turned 14. Oh, so wow. yeah, I, I started early. I started early, but, but then I was lucky because the time that I started recording bands was in Boston in 1994. And that was like right at the beginning of this incredible You know, like Mm -hmm. like the Boston had, I don't know, like 
Converge, Bane, and then also like Garrison, Ten Yard Fight. Oh yeah, Garrison. In my eyes, like Caven. There was just like Pieball. I can't even count the amount of like important mm-hmm. bands that like people still really care about that were all just like in my little universe. And I mean, I I, I got lucky because I think that people just thought, oh, we'll record with Brian, and you know. But one of the things, one of the things that's coolest, that was really cool for me looking back is like being able to like watch us all grow up through the records, you know, like think about like Kaven, the first time they recorded with me, Mm. Steve Brodsky's mom called me (laughs) and was like, is this a safe neighborhood? And she dropped them (laughs) off and she waited at the, at a restaurant down the street while they recorded and then came and picked them up. And you take that up until like we did Cave in Jupiter, which is one of my favorite records I've done. And you can just see all of us growing up together, kind of like them growing as musicians, me growing as a producer. And there's a lot. I mean, Bane's another example of that. Um, Yeah. Or like Hot Water Music, who are like. I did. I I didn't record them until I was pretty established, but like Mm -hmm. I had met them in, you know, 1993 ashes played with them and we've just been, you know, friends Mm -hmm. ever since. So, I mean, I think had I gotten, had I like gone to recording school and started recording in my mid 20, like, I think the whole trajectory of my career would have been different. Wow. It's, it's a, it's not a scene that I know a lot because when you mention like 1994, I'm I'm thinking about the California skate punk wave, you know? Right. But, yeah. But you were on the the other coast, basically. And yeah. Developing well, the, East- the the hardcore scene and yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, especially Boston just had a really big. It was like, I think like Boston. In particular, you have so many colleges. So you have all these True. people that are like coming and 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 like they're all just getting there too. So it was not like this. I think that made it easier to break into the scene because nobody had been there that long, really. Yeah. So um and then yeah, the West Coast stuff, I never the skate punk stuff I, I was not as aware of. I was more like hip to the mm-hmm. the like revelation, like sense feel, far side, that kind of stuff. But I didn't get I never really got as into the like fat records or epitaph stuff back then, just because I was a little more of an East Coast. So like when Ryan Green was recording Good Riddance and Lagwagon, you were on the East Coast recording Bane and <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of Ryan Green. So that's yes. He was my first guest ever on the podcast. Oh my gosh. For episode that's really one cool. and two. Yeah. I love to talk to producers and yeah, because it's um, a side of music that I love to explore uh, more these days. So yeah. And after, it's a really- after you record the, those first albums of Young Ben at the time, are you more like. Do you analyze the 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 albums after more? Are you more into analyze and compare? And uh, I do. I mean, yeah, I'm very hard on myself with it. You know, I'm always like, uh, you know, at, like it's funny. I could like if you name an album, I could tell you all the things that I would have loved to have done <laughs> differently. But that's just life. I mean, I guess you know what I mean. You can't like. 
I wish I was the kind of person that could just be like, oh, people love it. It's great. You know, it's totally fine. But I'm I'm really hard on myself. I, it's funny, actually, because I would say to bands all the time, like, you might think I'm being hard on you, but like, trust me, I'm just <laughs> even harder on myself. It's, so like, yeah, it's often you know, the case. keep that in perspective. Yeah. No, but, but not only um, analyzing your own work, but the band it itself, like the, their evolution, how they... I don't know. Yeah, their evolution. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 it's interesting when I look at like bands evolving, I'm not, I, it's, it's, I'm not hard on that. Like, I'm very inspired by that. I love seeing bands grow and change. And even bands that like, you know, bands that I've recorded, I love, I mean, I love it when they come back to me. And I also love mm -hmm. seeing when they don't and what they come up with, you know, um, They, yeah. you know, they go in a different direction and then you start to get a sense of like, oh, what do I like I, 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 through that? I'm able to get a better perspective on what I brought mm -hmm. to the project sometimes as well, um, which is, you know, which is an interesting. Yeah. Which took me a long time to like. I mean, I, I think there's like I think every producer has a little bit of imposter syndrome where you're like. I don't really know what I'm doing. Everybody else does. Yeah. <laughs> but Oof. but then but now I'm kind of like it's funny because I look back at the early stuff and people are always like, "Oh, are you really critical?" The the early stuff, I'm in awe of because I can't believe how cool it turned out considering how little any of us knew about yeah. songwriting, production, mixing any of it. We were just winging it and It's amazing that people still like love those records and care about those records. And, um, but as soon as I like the era where I really started to know what I was doing, that's when I'm like, yeah, kind of still pick things apart a little bit, uh, you know. And, I, and also, I, I think that like the it's interesting because I think that there's like a point of diminishing returns with like your knowledge of recording. Mm -hmm. But I think the thing that I got better at over time was the interpersonal dealings with bands. I think early on, like I wanted to push them and push them and bring the best out of them. And I think that maybe I was a little bit heavy handed, maybe early. There was a lot more mm -hmm. drama oh. <laughs> in the studio. But was it early what on. you experimented yourself when you were recording with right. producers was it how it was working for you well i mean i never really did that you know because i like be, like all the battery stuff we recorded ourselves oh very and then DIY. I, i was in a um i was in a band called milltown for a short period mm -hmm. that signed to warner brothers and we went in with this like big time producer guy who had done like oh. Alice in Chains and all this oh, stuff. Yeah. And I hated that guy. And honestly, like my takeaway from that was, I just don't want to be like this guy, you know, like I don't want to make bands feel stupid and small. And like, mm. I, I don't want to have the big ego in the room and sit around and talk about my, you know, like it's the band's experience. It's the band's record. You push them, you encourage them. You yeah. tell them what they need to hear, even if they don't want to hear it. But ultimately, you um, it's mm -hmm. their record and it's like an experience that they won't have again. And it's uh, it's funny, actually, because I um, 
I'm actually, I'm sitting here looking at this Snapcase drive, hard drive from the uh, record I did with them. And um, the guy, they hired this guy, Michael Barbiero, to mix this, a Snapcase record I produced. And I remember the guys in the band were like really torturing him with like mix changes and, you know, all this stuff. And at the time, I probably would have like told them to leave. get the fuck out of here i got i'm doing my thing and he was so cool and so patient with them and we went and um this guy mike barbiero has done like metallica and shit yeah he's done like he mixed a civ record but he also mixed like metallica and guns and roses and all like he's a big time Mm. guy and we went at the end of the session that night and had dinner and i said like how do you deal with them You, you know like being so you know, because a lot of times bands want changes that are like, don't really yeah. make it better, you know. <laughs> and he said to me, he said, Brian, you're going to do this a thousand more times in your life. And if everything in their career goes right, they'll do it three or four more times. Mm-hmm. So you just have to let them make it their record. Like, that's part of and it changed the way. And honestly, like that conversation completely changed the way that I wow. look at things. You know, when a band says like, Oh, can you turn this up or you know, whatever, <laughs> instead of being like, that's stupid. <laughs> I'm thinking like, this is your record. Yeah. And even and if, the you fun- dis- if you disagree, the- you can show them and try and they, they might realize exactly. by themselves. Exactly. And that, and that's kind of what the, like getting confidence and wisdom Like when I say like interpersonally, that's what I mean, which is like, I realize now that like, if you don't fight them and you just do it half the time, they're like, oh, that's probably not better, Mm -hmm. you know, and that they, they see it on their own. And it's actually faster to do that than it is to argue about it. (laughs) So. Wow. And I want to talk about your vocals. So when did you start to sing and how did you, uh, I don't know, uh, Find your own style because I think you have a very unique singing. I hope that's good. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I the, so this is a pretty funny story, but but I I started going to hardcore shows when I was very 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 young, like ten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, at ten, I was and, really scared of hardcore music. <laughs> and uh, there was there in that. In the at the time in DC, there was like a big skinhead scene. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of fights, and it was very violent. Yeah. But all those guys, like my brother and I, would go to shows, and they would look out for us. And there was this one guy in particular, and he would always put me up on his shoulders and like circle pit with me sitting on his <laughs> shoulders. And um, it ended up being that when I went to middle school or sixth mm-hmm. grade, I don't know what it would be there, but. His sister and went to school with me and we became really good friends and we started dating and he played drums in a skinhead band called strength in numbers. And so after school, I used to go to her house and watch them practice. <laughs> and the guitar player ended up saying to me like, Oh, you're really into like straight edge hardcore. I have an, I'm starting a new band that's hardcore. And he was much older than me. He was like 19 and I was 13. So 
this sounds really weird now because I would never let my daughter do this, but <laughs> started picking me up every Friday from school. And I would go like stay the weekend at his house and watch them practice and just like be a fan kind of. And at the end of every practice, they would play covers and I started singing the covers at practice. And then I started putting my own vocals over their songs while they were practicing. And this went on for like two years and they were like, we need to get a singer. We need to get a singer. Nobody was thinking we'll get this like 13 kid to really sing in the band. So they ended up going to the studio to record a demo to get a real singer. Oh, <laughs> and while, and I was there with them and I was explaining to the guy that was recording them that I sing at practice, but they're going to get a real singer. So then he said to me, well, I'll mix it for them without the vocals, but God, just go lay down what you do. Yeah. And so I went and did that and it came out like awesome. <laughs> and then, I was very, um, you know, I had been going to shows for so long, so I knew all the promoters. And so I took the demo, gave it to the promoter. I took the recording with my vocals on it, gave it to the promoter, and he put us on a show with Sick of It All. No way. And so I said to the guys, I got us a show. And they we're like, who's going to sing? And I'm no. like, I'm going to sing. And that was it. That was my first show. That was 1990. Wow. It was a long time ago.
So the funny thing about it was that we only played two shows and then they didn't like my lyrics and they wanted to write the lyrics. So I quit. Oh, and I started a band called ashes and they started a band called worlds collide and, and nothing ever came of battery again until lost and found. Do you know lost and found in Just Germany? The name. Ah. It was like, it okay. was like an old German hardcore label that like bootlegged a lot of stuff. Lost and found, put the demo out on CD. People liked it in Europe. And they contacted us when I was like 17 and said, people really like this. Do you want to come here on tour? And we said, yeah, fuck it. And we got back together. And so I, I don't know. But the interesting thing is I played music up until 1998. And then I completely stopped. Yeah, that because I was calculating like before you started Be Well. And, and I was like, oh, there's a there's some gaps there. It's a huge gap. I mean, mm-hmm. I had not recorded. Um, I mean, Battery played like a, a reunion for like Revelation Records anniversary thing. But outside of that, between 2017 and nine, like for 19 years, I didn't perform at all. Were like, you not, like, not, I don't know, saturated with the music work as a producer recording? Because yeah, you're always, I, always in music. I don't know. Yeah, I think that was it. It was like it, the funny thing about it. The funniest thing about Be Well is so many of my music clients, they never even heard Battery. So when I started doing Be Well, they were like, what the fuck is like they had they'd never seen me play. They didn't even a lot of them didn't even know anything oh, about yeah. Yeah, that they I wanna, had ever played. They, they want to check your background as a musician. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, they knew my work as a producer much yeah, more than, exactly. you know, than 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 mm-hmm. that. And also, I think like pre Spotify and streaming services like. Oh, oh, you might have heard that I was in a band, but it wouldn't have been that easy to check out. You would have had to go to the store and buy the record and, yeah. and listen to it that way. So I think that um, it was just it was it was an interesting um, transition. But what happened was in 2014, 2013 or 14, I I took a break from even producing oh, entirely. Okay. Oh. So. Um, the last record I did before I took a break was Turnstile, Nonstop Feeling, which is a pretty pretty good way to go out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <you're> like, <laughs> exactly. If at the time you thought it might be f- for real your, your last project. <laughs> I wasn't sure, um, but I was very burnt out. I mean, like, I think mm-hmm. that people don't understand mm-hmm. that like being a producer is a really it's a really a lot of a lot of long days like like very and my when my daughter was born it became really hard to keep up with both things and i just was the bands were young and i was getting older i i felt like i wasn't i didn't feel as connected as i had felt and i wasn't enjoying it not i was enjoying like obviously turnstile or like my friends so that was like fun but a lot of the stuff i was doing mm-hmm. it also there was like an era where bands stopped having the songs written when they got to the studio and people didn't know how to oh. like you know like now there's so much you can fix and there's so much like True. technology has changed the way people prepare mm-hmm. to record um 
I, and I was just kind of disillusioned. I was just, I, it was, a, I needed a break. I didn't feel like if my heart wasn't in it, it didn't feel fair to bands to like be responsible for their records. And, um, so I, I took, I took a break and then, um, battery got asked to play the sound of revolution. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, the, the funny thing is I think that if I had been producing at the time, I would have never said yes. But then I was like, you know what? That'll be fun. You know, I kind of, yeah. I was not, I wasn't doing music at all. So we did that. And then I was just like, Oh fuck. I miss this so much. This like, this is just, you remembered. At the I, I remembered it. Yeah. <laughs> But then the funniest thing of it was back in the old days when we did battery, Um, I didn't write any music. I wrote all the lyrics, but I didn't write any music. But by 2017, I'm like, that's what I do. I write songs. I write with bands. I help them with their songs. Like, there's no scenario where I'm going to do a band where I'm not writing music. Yeah. So we started initially talking about doing another battery record. And I wrote a bunch of stuff and I sent it to the, the main songwriter. And he was he did not want to both be writing. So he didn't, he didn't like it. And so I was at a really scary place where I'm like, Oh God, I don't really want to start a new band. That's like, I mean, I can't think of a band of a bunch of like late 40 year olds where they've started a new band and it's worked. <laughs> right. So I'm like, but I don't, I didn't want to play 25 year old songs forever and I didn't want to like not write that's what I wanted to do yeah was, you were like in a I don't know uh, it was hard to find a good not a compromise with yourself but like yeah uh, and ulti ultimately I just decided you know it would be way easier to do battery but I don't think that's going to bring me the um fulfillment exactly you I'm might looking. have been frustrated at some point and uh yes bitter Uh, is that is that the word? Bit I mean, that? I think like the thing for me that's most important is like the expression and creativity, mm -hmm. right? So it's like if we had done this as battery, it would have, you know, immediately the shows would have been big and there, you know, there would have been mm -hmm. we had a booking agent, yeah. you know, it would have been easier to find label and all you know, all that stuff. But I just decided that like I had something that I wanted to express that I wasn't going to be able to do that way. And that I would rather be smaller mm -hmm. than, and do what I want to be doing, which is pretty funny because it's very similar to how battery ended the first time when they didn't like <laughs> what I was writing. And I decided to leave. I mean, so yeah. it ended up being the best thing ever because I think that, You know, it was hard for me to hear that Ken, the guitar player, didn't like what I was writing. Sure. But it made me say to myself, do I like it? Which is the most important thing, right? Like, and I thought, like, this is what I want to be doing. This is like, you know, it's like touches the things that I loved about like hardcore when I was younger, but also it's like has some of the musicality and mm -hmm. melody and emotion of what oh, yeah. I'm looking to do now so the funny thing i mean to get to get back to your initial question with like the vocals it's yeah. the style yeah i just don't so really know I, i've never I, heard a vocal like this 
I, uh, I don't think about it. I mean, I, I just kind of like whatever comes out, comes out. And it wasn't, it's not like a decision, you know? Yeah. And, but you know, uh, because I think you, you put so much, so many emotions in, in your vocals, it's like contagious. And I like that you said, and now you, it's because you create, yourself now the music and because I, I i see a difference between the other bands you had and now yeah. in the emotion like a lot i think one thing is, that's funny is i think that with be well i didn't really think it would ever come out <laughs> you know really and i think that allowed me to let go and be a little more open than I maybe would have if like, I definitely don't think that if, if we were writing a battery record, I would have like been as vulnerable with, you know, I wouldn't have like been so open. I think I felt like be well felt like more like a diary than yeah. like some business, you know, like it wasn't like, I never really thought people would hear it when we were doing the first oh, record. Oh, so you were like, oh, I have nothing to prove. I don't care about like being big or not. I just want to let it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, that's definitely how I felt. Like, and I didn't even really, I wasn't even sure that anybody would ever even hear it. And Really? All, even with all your contacts, uh, all the bands you know from recording and touring? Even that. I mean, it, yes, but it's also like, I mean, there, when, like, I mean, I'm guilty of this too. When my friends that are older call me and say, I'm starting a new band, I go, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> okay, I, I see now. <laughs> so I, I, I was, and I'm also like, not the type of person that ever asks for favors. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, and then, and then a couple of funny things happened, which was we actually, Before we had all of the members of Be Well, originally it was just me and Mike Schleibaum, the guitar player with long hair. And we initially recorded mm -hmm. the record entirely with the drummer from Darkest Hour, who is like this super amazing, perfect drummer. And we recorded the whole record. The the weight and the and cost? The weight and the cost. Mm -hmm. And... I hated it. It was too perfect. <laughs> it was I, like, I know. Okay. it had like no emotion. And I, oh. I, I hated how I sang and I was like too nervous. And like the, the, we made everything too tight and precise. Really? And, and, and we scrapped the whole record. I, I said, like, I, I don't, hear, I, this, I wish I could hear the first version of it. Ah! <laughs> So the funny thing happened was during this time, we battery got offered a um, the, the tour with H2O in Germany. And an old friend of mine was going to fill in for battery on drums. And he had come to town a few days earlier. Um, and at this point I thought I'd be well, this be well, is just not going to happen. You know, like this, this record just didn't feel good. And I had sent the record to him and he loved it. And he was like, well, I, why don't we just, I'll play drums on a couple, like, let's just record a couple songs. So we ended up re-recording the whole thing yeah. with, with Andrew on 
drums. And it was just so right. It was like he was. Wow. He had the right feel like it was plenty tight, but he had like, I don't know, like hardcore, like the fast stuff. If it's too, it's got to kind of have this swing to it or it just sounds like awkward. I, I don't know. So he ended up coming over the course of like a day and a half, recorded all the drums for the whole record. And then when we got back from the tour, we were, we re-recorded everything else. And that's the way it cost. And the vocals too? You did everything? Everything. Yeah. Wow. Everything. Because originally... I when I first recorded the vocals, I was really nervous, mm -hmm. and I would like, oh, yeah, I'm like, I would, that too. I would do a line and listen back, and I would do a line, and listen, and it was like, and then I said to myself, I would never do it this way if I was producing another. I would never let them do that. Like I would, <gasps> I would get them comfortable and let them sing. So what I did the next time was I didn't listen back at all. I would just open the track sing it three or four times and move on to the next song. And then a couple of days later, I would go back and put it all together. And I just wouldn't let my head get involved mm. <laughs> at all. Yeah. So it was an interesting. And then by the time we finished it, it was like, oh, this is what it was supposed to be like. Mm -hmm. So it was a weird, an unusual. Yeah. An unusual process. And then so interestingly, Hello, Son, mm -hmm. um, that was actually written and recorded for the, the weight and the cost. Oh, really? So you had more songs? When we, we never re-recorded that song with Andrew on drums. And so we didn't use the old version, which oh, is awful. And, um, but I always loved the song. And so when we did the EP, it was just like, let's jam this and shame that our new drummer, our drummer, drummer. Mm -hmm. It was just awesome with him. Like he was, he was, he was great. Um, and the, the other thing that's, that I think it, I'm, I feel lucky because I think one of the things that is hard is I think that um, finding like-minded people that are also really good <laughs> is hard and I don't want to say like I'm a music snob but like I want to play with like good sure players so finding people who are like you know similar age similar background who play really well who also want to go on tour and not make any money <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it's so hard to find people it's, to it, start yeah. starting a band is hard Oof. it is yeah it is Yeah, we got really lucky. I mean, we're and then and then the nice thing was we I mean, we once it was clear that the band was like we not just like a side project, mm -hmm. a lot of like a lot of awesome people gave us shows and tours and, yeah. and things like that. So we were lucky. We were lucky. Yeah, you toured with like Newfound Glory, you toured I think with um Outwater Music too. Yeah, and a lot, of, a, a lot. We did a lot of shows with Howard Music, yeah, uh, and some very hardcore bands. So I think you fit with a lot of bands from different genres. It's amazing. Yeah, like we like the, it, we did a bunch of stuff with H 2 O, which was really oh. good. The Newfound Glory thing was really good, but it was like 
it was definitely a different crowd. Exactly. I mean, it was. That was one of my questions. Like, how was the the crowd on that tour for you? I mean, they were great. Yeah. And they were super receptive. But I don't know that we made a lot of fans. Like, like I think that if we like if we went out with and did a tour that was that big with like Gorilla Biscuits in seven seconds. Yeah. Right. We would have come home having totally. played to a, where I think that the newfound glory thing, I think there are a couple things like they were doing an album tour on a really feel good record. And I don't want to say be well, not a feel good band, but it's pretty heavy, you know? Uh, it's, so it feels I think good because for me, it feels good because I want to cry and it feels good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, so I think all of a sudden, and you know, you're like playing these pretty like heavy emotional songs to a bunch of people who are just wanting to relive their college days with their, you know, and, and not that they weren't open to it, but I think that like, it, it, it like, it was, they were really respectful. They cheered a lot. The people bought tea. Yeah. I mean, but it was like, not the ideal audience. Like when we were in Europe with, Sam I Am and Hot Water and Boy Sets Fire. That was like oh. a much better fit. Oh, yeah, yeah, for, Boy Sets for, Fire for sure. Mm -hmm. For us, yeah. And also like, I didn't know any of the guys in Newfound Glory or Four Year Strong going mm -hmm. into it where like Hot Water are like brothers. I mean, like I've done, I'm, I'm about to start mm -hmm. the fifth Hot Water record I've produced. And I also did the draft record with them. And I talked to them almost, you know, all the time for almost 30 years. So wow. there was like a comfort level. Like I felt really like kind uh, of like these are people we're taking care of here. Yeah. And I, I'm curious about your lyrics because like I said, I'm obsessed with the emotion you put in your vocals. So I, I was like, is it to, to fit the lyrics or it, it comes naturally? And what do you like to talk about? Is it like something you have to liberate i don't know uh you know i i honestly do my best to not think about it at all okay. and just let whatever happen like my my like my internal instincts are better than my brain like oh. if i start second guessing things i i i overthink you know so i'm constantly writing I'm constantly writing like thoughts down and lyrics and like for years and years. And some mm -hmm. of I'll pull things that are 20 years old, like, and often when I'm writing, it's a, my process is pretty funny because I'll like, when I finish the music for something, I'll go and I'll sing like fake words to yeah. get, Like I have a I have a much easier time writing lyrics if there's a a scheme a like mm -hmm. like a, a rhyme scheme or, or, or a pattern or a melody already I need like it if it there's there aren't guard what it's hard to commit to anything so I'll kind of like <laughs> just freestyle just fake sounding words and melodies over things until something works and then often I'll like something I said in the fake words will kind of grab me will sound like something and then I'll be like oh you know what that's kind of like this 
thought I had. And I, and I, once I have a line or two, the song kind of writes itself. But huh. getting there. You need to try stuff and fake stuff. Yeah, it can can take some time. Because sometimes but, um, I, I feel like your voice is, uh, is, is like almost breaking from emotion you know yeah. and, and, well and, and the it, funny thing is i good, like i it's way. it's really funny because i love i i it's we just played with gorilla biscuits and that is what made me love the sound of that like siv's voice used to always crack and i love that uh, and i'll tell you a funny story i wish i story. could do that i want to learn <laughs> The that. funny, the funny thing is when when um when we were recording the last Hot Water Music record, mm -hmm. I did like a a harmony. I, I did a, a vocal, and um, and I'm sitting there with Chris Wallard and Chris Cresswell, and oh yeah, Chris Wallard was like, "Do it again, but crack like you do with <laughs> Be Well." <laughs> so I did that, and Chris Cresswell was like. Wait, you do that on purpose? Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, not really on purpose, but I don't like if that happens, I don't mind. You know, I'm not like I'm gonna crack here to give it this. No, but yeah, that's why I thought it was emotion related to your lyrics. Yeah, like I was like, oh, this. Guy I mean, when I sing, I try and like get my head into the place of like where the song like what the inspiration mm -hmm. or the you know the emotion that inspired the song and just like like i said like if i don't do a lot of like i'm not like sing it how was my pitch oh like i i just kind of like let wow just go through it you know sing the whole thing a couple times and don't worry about it because you know mm. i'd rather have emotion and then perfection and When I went the route of like trying to make it super pro sounding, it just lost <laughs> all of that that uh, intensity. Yeah, that that's what I love a lot. Um, and I have a few favorite songs, and I wanted to know the the story behind it. Like, uh, I will leave you with this. Uh, What's the story behind this song? The so song that 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 song it, it's interesting and because also meaningless measures. That okay, I so about. I'll leave you with this: is as is when we did the weight and the cost, and um, at the time we did that, it had been a long time since I had been producing a lot of records, and actually, it was really through like doing podcasts and doing and, and talking to people like mm -hmm. you and realizing like how much um how much like what i had spent my life doing how much it meant to people because i had really lost like when we did after i took a break from doing records mm -hmm. I, i i it was not a good thing for me like i needed to but I I yeah. ended up in kind of a dark place and I kind of like in my mind had just said like my life hasn't meant anything like that's kind of how I felt but yeah. then through doing be well and talking to people about how much like what I had spent my life doing meant to them it gave me like a whole new perspective like there's so much more to me than like my depression <laughs> or mm. whatever like like actually like all of this like i'm going to like leave behind these things that will last forever that are so meaningful that have shaped other people's 
lives and like what I've spent my life doing wasn't yeah meaningless you know and I feel like the the music video reflects that because it's well the the funny thing is the music the video is all um it's all almost all that stuff is photos that my wife took like you know we were talking about that period when we lived where the studio was Mm -hmm. so she I, it used to drive me crazy, but she would always be there with the camera. Oh, yeah. And now you're happy. <laughs> yeah. All my, like me just taking video of like of um, the photo albums at the house. Mm-hmm. So so that yeah, that 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 song, that song is meaningful to me. And it's, all, it's probably like as close to a, a happy Be Well song as mm-hmm. exists. I felt like a um, peaceful nostalgia, nostalgic. Yeah. Uh, that, I mean, that is, that is like, I mean, it's like, it's like me allowing myself to appreciate myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and, and, I, and to be like, I never let myself be proud of my accomplishments before. And oh. It was like, I just, I I had a couple like Zoom interviews like this where people would not have known that they're interviewing me about Be Well, didn't know that much about me as a producer. Mm -hmm. And then they'd look on my Wikipedia and I could see on their face like, oh my God, this record, this record, this record. And it just, it kind of clicked for me that like, it is cool what I've done. Like I, I, I'm really, I'm really proud of like, yeah how I've spent my life. Mm. And I never let myself feel good about anything before. So I figured I would, while I felt that way, I would document it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I resonate with that. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> And what And about then, Meaningless me- Measure? Yeah. So mean- Meaningless Measures is, uh, is written about, like, when I took a break, I, I always had this, like, I don't know, dropping out of high school and like just kind of being a fuck up when I was a kid left like I I never felt like I always felt like I'm not like a real I'm not successful the way like mm-hmm. other people are you know like I'm not like 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 I would take my daughter or to school or to the bus stop and I would be like with these other dads who are wearing a tie and have the and and I kind of thought like Oh, like I'm not like a real, you know, professional success person kind of thing, and the it, so that I I kind of always beat myself up about it, and then when I left music, I started working for a company, and then mm-hmm. within six months I was running the company and was making a lot of money for the first time in my life, and I was like, you know all these things that I felt like if I could do that, maybe I would be happy. Oh yeah. And then, and then, (laughs) and then I realized like, I'm, I'm even less happy now. (laughs) Like I'm like this thing that I, I'm like, you know, these, these things that we aspire to sometimes, like I, I never aspired to be some successful business person, but I wanted to do that to prove to myself that I could, or that to my daughter that I was like successful the way her friends' dads were successful or whatever. And then I realized like all this is doing is just making me Uh, more unhappy. And like, like, I just need to, 
I need to, um, I need to like find things that matter. Like I need to find a way to enjoy the, like the success I have with things that actually matter to me and not trying to, you know, do things and spend my life chasing other people's I mean, I never, I never cared about money or I never cared about success or being whatever, but like I, I forced myself to think I needed to do that. The pressure the we have, the pressure we have, and the, the I would say the very strict definition of success in right is really harmful because and a I, few I, people I, actually fit in this. But I was lucky because my wife is, you know, like. I was very like when I was doing when I was running the company, I was miserable. I was so unhappy. And it was like I was putting all of the passion and energy that I had always put into making music into this thing that just didn't mean anything to me. And I got nothing back from it except money. Yeah. You know, uh. and that didn't make me happy at all. And it was like my wife was the first one to be like, You know, and I was, I, I would just come home and I would just like drink, like anything I could like shut out mm -hmm. my life in a way. And she was just like, fucking quit. <laughs> like, what do we need? Like, what's the point in having yeah. money if we're miserable? And, um, and I was just like, but what are we going to do about this? What are we going to, and she was like, we'll figure it out, you know? Uh. And we, you know. We, we, we're not fancy people, you know, I have like, I wear, I have like a bunch of t-shirts and two pairs of jeans and some <laughs> old vans and <laughs> I don't yeah. need that much more than that. Same for me, except that I have like 300 band shirts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I used to have a great band t-shirt collection and a great vinyl collection, but we had a fire in our house no. and I lost everything. No. Yeah. Oh, no. So that was in 2006. So then it was like, after oh. having such an amazing collection and then losing it all, I just like, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I would never I gonna think get I would give up to too. <laughs> hey, speaking never. of vinyl, do you, is there any, um, the weight of the car still available? Uh, you, you made some repressed, I think. I don't know. I I know that we sold all, all the stuff we made for the tour, but I don't know if Entis has. I think they might have some still left. I need them. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I can't believe how many times that thing's been repressed. Like yeah, insane. I saw like six, seven repressed. I'm like, yeah, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> It's pretty cool. I mean, the thing is, I hate selling things. Mm-hmm. Like if if it were up to me, we would just sell nothing ever. But it is really, it does mean a lot to me when I see that people have like wanted to collect it, or you know that the records meant enough to people that they want to have like multiple. I versions. really want to have both albums, uh, EPs for sure on vinyl. Yeah. Yeah, because well, maybe I have one I can send you. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I do. Because it, you know, 
selling stuff, I understand the action of selling like you don't want to like do that, but for people it's a it's an it's another experience until we could see yeah. you play well, live. The funny thing is I feel uh, my preference would be that we were it would be able to just do this and not have to do that at all. Yeah. But then the funny thing is I love band t-shirts and I love vinyl. <laughs> I, I love having that. So I'm always like super stoked when Yeah, because see there's after, something after our chat, I'm gonna have a tea refill and then I'm gonna listen to like two or three vinyl on my couch reading I love the, that. the lyric yeah. sheets and I love yeah. And where do you, you where do you live? I live in Quebec City. The province oh, wow. of Quebec, yeah. Wow. Yeah. French Canadian. Wow. I have never played a show in Canada. Ah! No. Nope. Never. <gasps> But I love Canadians. It has every to change. Can uh, every, uh, every Canadian I've ever worked with or met has been so lovely. Yeah, I think we're nice people. <laughs> very nice people. Especially in very. Quebec. In Quebec, we're like very nice and funny and we are so... So much into punk rock in general, in hardcore scene too. Maybe you, you should, I should send you some bands from here. Do you know the band Get the Shot? They're they're no. touring everywhere. Great. Oh band. wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are always in Europe and the US. Oh, and that's so really cool. The friends of mine. Yeah. Sent you a link. I, I, do you say sorry? Sorry. Is that how you would say I'm sorry? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> but oh, it's my, my French accent, so Quebecois <laughs> I, accent. Just, I just, the first Canadian band I ever recorded was Monin. Do you know Monin? Oh my God, yes. The the album, yeah. The Red Tree is like in my top that's, five. That, that's, that's, that's the one I did, yeah. Ah, you did this one? I didn't know. Yes. Oh, yes, shit. Yes, yes. And they, they, No, they, wait, wait, I'm, I'm shocked. I didn't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> ah! yeah okay wow. I, love, i love them i love that's one of my favorite records i've ever oh. been involved in and they I, i thought their accent was so funny but i have never laughed as much making a record they were just so funny and really? fun to be around and i just remember they would say i'm sorry <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, you know what this album because I have a very very bad plane phobia okay because oh, it's a long story but like I, I'm very scared of puke <laughs> in general I have a puke phobia so I'm very afraid to fly because I'm always scared that I'm gonna puke or someone will puke so I always have terrible times flying it's insane oh. but it, this is the album I listen for the whole flights The oh my gosh and like I, I tried to time <laughs> the second song I don't bleed and blister yeah I tried to time the takeoff with like a specific part of this song <laughs> oh my gosh yeah well I can tell you, It's they're some of the most incredibly wonderful people you could ever meet. I saw they're them. just like... I saw them all twice in show and they're not really active. Wait, oh my God, it's so funny. Oh, I, I really, I'm trying to find this album on vinyl. Just a second, I want to show you. Um... The funny thing about that record was... My studio that I built after the one where we, I had it where my wife and I lived, yeah. we were building the studio while we were recording the record. 
See so, this part? So it was this is the part when like, we're starting to take off. And now <laughs> and I'm super it's stressed. Perfect. I'm like, <laughs> sorry, I had to do this. Yeah, yeah, keep going. I'm sorry. I wasn't too much. Um, it was just a funny, we were building, the studio was like being built while we were recording yeah. the album. And it was just like a really funny, I have these pictures of the guys singing backup vocals and there's like, you know, unfinished drywall and scaffolding and, It was just a really, it was a really great experience. Oh, wow. What was the the hardest part of this album recording? Nothing. It was not, the hardest part of the record was we originally were going to record the record much earlier. And then Vagrant, something happened where they maybe didn't like the demos or something. And Vagrant, like wanted to oh. pull the plug and I told the band to come down anyway. And so we're working on demos and I think the the pre-production process I think they felt like I was trying to just make the label happy instead of ah. making the record that they wanted to make and we had to have like a we Kenny and I went and had like a really good conversation where we got on the same page and there was a lot of not drama but there was like during that's the first initial session not when we were recording the record there was some tension mm -hmm. and then by the time the demos we did together that time were great and then the band went back to canada and wrote the rest of the record and when they came to make the record they were like super ready the label was excited yeah. we just had like I was excited because we were was like one of the first records at my new studio, and um, we just had the best time. They were so funny. I mean, they, I, I mean, I literally was laughing all day. I mean, really, they were so cute. They would do this thing every Friday. They would call, do formal Friday, and they would all wear suits. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. It was, oh. it was just, it was just really it's, it's great. A, I would say complex album. Like there are so many subtilities and uh, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah. I'm like hypnotized the, by this album. And there's, there's a lot going on. Yeah, there's exactly. a lot of layering. <laughs> there's a lot and a lot of weird pedals and weird sounds. And uh, it's funny because I reference this record all the time when I'm telling bands how to give mix notes mm -hmm. because Monine probably asked for more changes to the mix than any band I've ever recorded. But the way they did it was so nice that it felt great. Like Kenny would always be like, Ryan, this sounds so good. I can't even believe it's our band. Aren't you so proud of what we created? Wouldn't it be even better if the guitar was a tiny bit louder in the chorus? you know? And he just had, a, you know, but then it would be like 10 pages of that. <laughs> wow. But there's a big difference between presenting it in a friendly, mm -hmm. like constructive way. If someone sends a note like, oh, this course just sounds like shit. You're like, fuck you, man. <laughs> you yeah. know. But another band can send 25 changes 
with the right tone, you hear it differently. And it's a teamwork. And then they were so cool to work with. I just wanted them to be happy. I really wanted them to be um, happy. Actually, I remember the, um, you know, I think it's the last song. So that's the like a piano song. Mm -hmm. That was a really funny. um, That was a funny song to record because Kenny had done the demo with just a keyboard. And it didn't sound right with just a keyboard, but a keyboard has like a low end to it that a real piano doesn't have. So we, we tried it on keyboard. We tried it on piano. We tried all this stuff. And in the end, we ended up having, we ended up cracking a piano and locking it exactly with the original keyboard. We ended up using a lot of the demo. But then blended in a bunch of new stuff to like, and like, because it, which is, we couldn't make it better than what he had initially, which is a funny thing because as a producer, sometimes you just have to say like, I can't do better. Like this is yeah <laughs> how it's supposed to be. So that song is essentially the demo with a new piano over it and a new vocal, but all the other stuff was, we kept from what they initially demo that's amazing love that song too, uh, that's a good interview surprise for me <laughs> knowing that yeah. i didn't know but ah. you know what what i was saying remember how i was saying to you about i'll leave you with this and these conversations where people have reactions like that mm-hmm. it's so cool mm-hmm. you know what i mean like it really makes me happy that you like we worked so hard on that 20 years ago mm-hmm. 18 years ago And I love that you still love that record. Oh, it makes yeah, me. Yeah, I listen to ooh. it so many times. But you know what? I still don't know all the titles by heart because <laughs> of I don't know any of them. <laughs> I only know the only song title I know is Don't Tell Locke What He Can't mm-hmm. Do. Yeah, that's the first, the first song. Yeah. Is that the first song? Yeah. I don't even know which song it is. I just know that it's a lost reference. I think it's the first song. Yeah, it is. Ah, that's so cool. And so what? what's next for you? Um, what album um, are you... I'm doing... Uh, I'm... I have a... I'm finishing building my studio. And I'm starting to work on a new Hot Water Music record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to, I was just in Gainesville and then I'm going there pretty much once a month up until September. And then we're going to make the record in September. And then, um, I have a couple, I have a couple other projects that are in the works that are cool that I can't talk about. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, I am writing a lot of my own music, so I don't know. Be Well's going to take a little bit of a break mm-hmm. and just, we've just toured a lot. And I think that everybody's, you know, and then um, hopefully we make a, we have enough material to make another record. I don't, nice. I think we're all just going to like take a couple months and see where all our heads are at and see what sure. makes sense for everybody. Good. I'm excited. Yeah. I hope you're going to play here eventually. I would love that. First love Canadian that. tour. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I got to tell Chris to have the Flatliners take us. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw them recently. It was good. Cool. That guy, so, too. Chris yeah. Cresswell from the Flatliners is one of the most incredible human beings I've ever met in my life. Yeah, I need to interview him eventually. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's, 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 just, I mean, when I was just in Gainesville, I was, we're like, 
me, Chuck Reagan, and Chris Cresswell sitting on a couch in our pajamas, you know, just listening to music. And I was thinking, God, my life's fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for the conversation. Yeah, you're it was lovely. really yeah, this was fun. Great. Really nice of you. And stay stay in touch and and do have Chris Cresswell on. That would be great. <laughs> yes, I promise. I'll talk. Okay. I'll talk about you too. today my friends 
Thank you so, 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 so much for listening. I'm feeling way more energized right now. If you want to support promoting this podcast, you can subscribe to your favorite platform so you won't miss an episode. You can also share all the episodes in your stories, on your social medias, and tag me. Another great way to support my work is to give some love to my guests, to the band I recommend you, the band suggestion I make, and our sponsors. And speaking of sponsors, thank you to Iodine Recordings and Epic Merch Tour. I also want to say thank you to my partner in crime, Scott Hallquist from Tensoutball, for editing this episode. I'm excited to be back next week with another great guest. I can't confirm yet, but it's gonna be great. But until then, punk your life. See you next week.